I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. We ought always to give thanks to God because God chose you to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you, that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to The Gospel Life with Pastors Rob Mayer and Kyle Rogers. My name is Jay Ward, one of the members of Gospel Life Church. Guys, welcome. It is good go. to be here, Jay. Hey, Jay, you know, by the way, you're good at that. <laughs> that was awesome, man. Wow. Today's episode. Yeah, I love, man. <laughs> Today, so, Jay, Joe Jack, I got a question for you because that is so good. It's like, are you a professional? Uh, yeah, you owe me some money for this. <laughs> I'll be sending you the bill. <laughs> Today's episode, Sanctification. The dictionary says, to make holy, set apart as sacred to purify or free from sin, to impart religious sanction to, render legitimate or binding, to entitle, to reverence or respect, to make productive of or conducive to spiritual blessing. Pastor Rob, what on earth <laughs> is sanctification? And what's the purpose? Yeah. Sanctification, huge word, right? It's a Christian word for growth in godliness. It's Christian growing, Christian maturing. That's all sanctification is. It's growing in Christ. Now, I don't even remember the second part of your question because I was just so fired up about the first part. <laughs> but I think the second part was was how? What's the purpose? Oh, what's well the purpose is to be fully mature lacking nothing. So the amazing thing about being a Christian is this, the moment that a person is saved by God's grace, his favor is set upon them through faith in Jesus. So when God does his work of salvation, that person is fully complete, lacking nothing spiritually. Before God, they are fully sanctified. They are in relationship with God. God is holy. Therefore, that person is completely holy. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. I know. You mean to tell me the minute I'm saved, I'm somehow complete and completely holy? Absolutely complete, lacking nothing. Ephesians 1 talks about this as Paul is unpacking the reality of the Christian life. Now... Maybe a person is sitting there right now and rightfully so saying, well, I don't feel holy. <laughs> I, I, I still struggle with sin. So how do I rectify these, these, the, these two realities? I'm perfect. I'm holy before God. I am blameless. I am above reproach. 
and that is our spiritual position. We are positionally sanctified, yet we are living in this world. We are still progressively growing and being sanctified. So we are positionally holy, yet we are being made holy in this life. Okay, we still are struggling with sin. So we are becoming what God made us to be in a moment in time. Kyle, you want to elaborate a little bit on that? And then one day we will be perfectly sanctified. Yes. So positionally, we are right. We are set apart. That progressively is getting worked out as we learn to say no to sin and yes to Jesus by faith. And one day, just as Jesus received a glorified body, there's going to be a day that that work is totally done, totally finished. The fight is over, freed from the presence and power of sin forever. That's amazing. Yeah. Set apart, made holy. Yep. If I'm positionally sanctified, what's the point? Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about fighting sin, really participating in your sanctification, working cohesively with the Spirit, fighting for uh, sanctification. Um, and so there is a call to that. Now, now, I think what you're saying is, well, I already am that and I eventually will be that. So what is the point? Why don't I just give in? Well, well the reality is... You're living for less than God has for you. You're settling for less. You're in those moments of just giving in or in those moments of just saying, okay, I'm just going to just kind of let it go and I'm not going to fight anymore. You're actually not believing the gospel, that what God has for you is better. What God commands us uh, to do to actually live in a right way before him is actually not, not as good as my sin. And in those moments of unbelief, and so what we need to tell ourselves is, no, even though I think in my, uh, in, in my daily living, this is actually fine and good and actually it's okay and maybe even better, we need to tell ourselves, no, no, I, I need to believe God. Actually, what God has is better. That's why Paul encourages the churches in the New Testament to fight, fight for faith. And it's a good fight because you're actually by faith going to experience more of what God has for you actually grow in not only your believing, but your living as well. Yeah. I would say what's, what's at stake? Well, it's not your standing with God because Jesus says it's finished. So you have a right standing with God. He sees you as holy because you're covered with the righteousness of Christ. So what's at stake? Simply put your satisfaction in Jesus hmm. and the holiness and glory of God on display in your life. If I'm positionally safe, okay, I can do whatever I want, but actually I have a changed heart and I, I want to say no to sin because all sin leads to death. Yeah. Why would I want to keep chasing this down? That's actually death and destruction. Life is found in trusting Jesus. So I'm going to say no to my sin and yes to him. God's glory on display in my life. When people look at me, why does he make the choices that he makes? Well, it's the Lord. That's it. So simply put our satisfaction in Jesus and the glory of God on display. Well, I think and, that's what's at stake. Well, and it's believing Jesus' words in John 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In those moments, we're, we're, we're not going to let the enemy steal what God has for us. You know, sin leads to death. Sin always leads to death. Jesus came to give us life. And not just life, but life abundantly. 
So are we going to believe that or not? And that is sanctification, mm-hmm. is participating with the yep. Spirit yep. to enjoy the life that Jesus came to give freely to us through his personal work. Yeah, it's good. Three things come to mind, position, mm-hmm. purpose, and power. So you kind of touched on position. Will you elaborate on that further? What kind of position are you talking about? Positionally, sanctified or holy, what do we get when salvation has been bestowed upon us? When we receive faith, what are we getting positionally? Yeah, yeah I'll read something just really quickly. This is from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Uh, and this is what Paul says to this early church. He he says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. When you've been brought into God's family, that word sanctified is this really fancy Greek word, hagiazo, which means holy. You're made holy. That's crazy talk. I was dead in sin. I was living for myself. I wasn't clean. And yet because of Jesus, I'm washed, I'm made holy, and I'm justified, which means made right with God because of Jesus. So positionally, I go from being an enemy and rebel to God, being dead in my sin, and I'm transferred into his family, made a a new creation, made holy, washed, purified. And that's this new position that I have before him. So when I approach him, I don't have to clean myself up because he's already cleaned me up. Positionally set apart and made holy. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm thinking of Ephesians 1, and I and I don't know if this leads into the next part of, of your question, but what do we have, you know, when we are set apart? Well, Paul talks about the... the <laughs> the the long list of things that we get when God does his work of salvation in our lives. Um, and this in the original language in the Greek is a run-on sentence. The Apostle Paul is so elated to, to unpack this, the spiritual reality of all that we have in Christ, in our positional holiness. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world with that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption for, uh, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. This is just a short list of all that we have in Christ. Because we are positionally made holy, God has bestowed upon us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is a reality. So sanctification then is learning to live in the new reality of what we already are. And this is a constant battle, a constant fight, because why do we still sin? Because we're trying to get something that we think we need, we know we need. And if we believed we already had what we need, then we would just 
worship God, we would enjoy his favor, we would then live from the reality of all that we have that was gifted to us by grace through faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So hearing that Ephesians passage, uh, positionally we are predestined, called, adopted, forgiven, redeemed, justified, yep. glorified, yep. lavished upon yeah. us that we have received. Yep. Purpose. What do you think God's purpose is and, and what should then our purpose be? To ultimately look more like Jesus, which is to become holy. Um, we have been created for that right relationship with God, but because of sin, we've all um, chose our own way, chose rebellion against him, which, you know, makes us walk in. We're sinful, we're defiled, we're dirty, we're unclean, but because of Jesus, we're brought in. The process of sanctification is the becoming more like Jesus, remembering, as Rob said, what's already been worked into us positionally now gets worked out of us. So we become more like Jesus as we remember what he's already worked in. We go back to what he's already done. Um, I think the challenge of that, as you were just sharing positionally, man, like all that's really, really good news, but that's really, really hard to believe two seconds after I sin for the millionth time in the way I didn't want to. That's really, really hard to believe when I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed. That's really, really hard to believe when I start going back to the old man and the old ways that I used to do things. But in those moments, the purpose is remembering what God says about me remembering therefore then who I am, what's my identity. And I don't need to live in light of those things anymore. I can, the second I sin, repent because I know I'm already forgiven. Mm. The second I feel anxious, I can cry out, help me. I'm a a blood bought adopted son and my father loves to give good gifts to me. Mm. Why would I never ask? I should just ask him. He wants to help me. The purpose is remembering my justification, remembering my adoption in the midst of the sanctification. Well, then sanctification is about worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. You know, I'm growing. I, I'm this process of struggling with sin, believing the gospel, then is an opportunity to really know God yeah. more. Yeah. To know his nature, yeah. his character, his unconditional love for me. So the process of sanctification is quite frankly and oftentimes very messy. But it is a beautiful thing because in my struggle and in my growth, I am believing the gospel, which yeah. gives me yeah. gives me more of an understanding of the the love of God, the 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 glory of God. It's preparing me for an eternal life of adoration and worship <laughs> of my Creator. Yeah. So sanctification is this. It's this opportunity to know God more, to worship him. Second Corinthians 3, uh, 18, we all with unveiled face, you, Kyle, mentioned remembering, and Rob, you mentioned worshiping. We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So there's this transformation. And it seems that it comes from beholding yeah. The glory of the Lord. Yeah. 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 Did you notice there? One degree at a time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody else gets frustrated yep. with their uh, their struggle yep. of being transformed. The rate at which yeah. they're being transformed. Yeah. Man, alive. Oh, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> yep. it's it just seems like, okay, we get so 
uh, uh, frustrated. And, and oftentimes I think a lot of people give up, oh, yeah. you know, they stop fighting. Yeah, I give be- up, man. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. because it's such a slow process. It says there, he changes us one de- from one degree of glory to another, which means God's not in a hurry, but he who began a work will finish it. He will finish it. If he began a work in you, you will become what you already are positionally. Yeah. But God is working it slow. So I people people ask me like, so so how does sanctification work? I go, it's stumbling forward in some sort of trajectory. That's kind of my definition. It's I take two steps forward. I take three steps back. I understand even more the depth of my sin. And because I understand the depth of my sin, the cross looms larger in my life. And I, and I take a huge step forward and I fall down again. And I'm frustrated with myself again. And I experience maybe through a relational conflict and I my sin comes out or I'm sinned against. I realize the the the, the forgiveness that I have in Christ. And I and I stumble forward into this new understanding of of the magnitude and the glory of God. It's it's a it's yeah. it is a stumbling forward. It, it yeah. is a stumbling, it is a moving forward, but it it, it isn't always as clean. Yeah. And and clear as we like, it's very messy at times. Well, it seems to me the stumbling it seems to be an essential part of it. Mm. That there's humility that seems to come from it and is intentional. I remember having an image uh, early on in my walk that, like this idea that God plucked me out of the ocean. I was drowning in the ocean. God saved me, gave me salvation, plucked me out of the ocean, set me on the dock. And then it wasn't too long before I realized I'd fallen into the ocean again. Oh, yeah. and I needed saving again. And then I started to realize I'm not just falling in the ocean. I'm jumping headlong into the sea. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I need saving yeah. again. And then that, that's when my pride is revealed. Like, I don't want to need a savior. Mm. I don't want to keep falling in. I don't want to keep jumping in. This is humiliating. Well, there's humility to be had, and I need a savior every day. Yeah. Well, and it, isn't it interesting in those moments, as Jay, I've, I relate very much so to what you just said, where it's like, God, God, I would have given up on me. <laughs> And you're reminded God will never leave you or forsake you. You're reminded in your stumbling, in your obvious sin, even in your desire for sin, that God will never leave you or forsake you. He will pull you out once again. And you didn't lose anything Amen. And, positionally. Yeah. yeah. And may I worship the one who keeps saving me, yes. the physician that tends to my wounds every day. Do I grieve that I need to be cared for or do I give thanks to the one who tends to my wounds? Oh, yeah. I think we yeah. see out of, out of my pride, it's I don't want to need those things rather than acknowledge my need, my wounds, my sorrow, my pride, my sin, do I instead give yeah. thanks for the, the ministering to me, tending yeah. the physician that tends to all those wounds yeah. and do so in humility, thanksgiving, and praise. Yeah. Yeah, so you can look at the guy next to you on the dock and go, man, we got a really good lifeguard, right? <laughs> we keep throwing ourselves in here. We can get really frustrated ourselves, but praise God, we got a great lifeguard. Yeah. He keeps yeah. grabbing us. And I'm, I'm convinced in the process of sanctification that we're really bad at noticing our own sanctification because we and our flesh, we always believe the worst about ourselves. We're carrying around guilt and shame all the time. It actually takes the body of Christ to be able to show us, wow, you look more like Jesus this year than you did last year. Man, when you were patient with your kids there, I saw last year you fly off the handle. Jesus is working. 
Man, you said no to sin in this place where you used to say, yes, Jesus is working. You repented of that sin and you keep repenting. Jesus is working. Rob's been a great gift for me and encouraging me in sanctification that's happening in my life that I don't even notice until my brother goes, man, Kyle, God's working. Just the other day, we were sitting in the office and we had tears in our eyes because Rob was affirming, not me, but Jesus in me. Kyle, you're not the same Kyle that I knew 10 years ago. Jesus is working. And that was this moment filled with glory where my brother reminded me, oh, one degree, one degree. God's doing it. He's working, you know? Yeah, and I think I think we want to be fully sanctified here and now. And because we don't want to need Jesus anymore, man. I know. <laughs> yeah. we, we want to take the reins and we want to be yeah. in control. We want to take matters into our own hands. But the reality is, is that uh, because we have a relational God, we're placing these relationships yeah. and we need one another to even see, even see it, yeah. our growth yeah. in godliness, yeah. to even to even have someone to sin against, someone yeah. to say, you hurt me. Yeah. And for me to go, you know, I'm really sorry. And in that moment, um, you know, you know, five years ago, it might have taken me a while to get to that moment. But if, if Kyle were to say to me now, hey, Rob, you know, you said I'm like, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. And, that, and I, yeah. wow, I've grown because yeah. that would have taken me, yeah. you know, that would have taken me five days to fight the pride. And yeah. now I just want to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. But it's these relationships yeah. that God gives us. You know, you know, we talk a lot about intimate relationships the most intimate relationships are the setting for sanctification and that's really the church you know you know for many of us for for a lot of people that's marriage it doesn't necessarily have to be marriage mm-hmm. because the church gives us these intimate relationships and so you can be a single person and and still be in intimate relationships and have your sin exposed and have opportunity to be sanctified. But marriage is a great place where uh, your sin's exposed. I mean, I thought I was a pretty patient guy until I got married, (laughs) pretty kind and patient, and then realized, wow, Mm. you know, my sin was exposed. In those relationships, I see my need for Jesus. And then because I see my need, I see, wow, look how my Savior's met my need. Yeah, how revealing of God's grace. That passage in 2 Corinthians also mentions with unveiled face. Mm. Either of you care to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Well, the first thing that makes me think about going back to the book of Exodus with Moses. Uh, Moses, after the people of Israel were plucked out of Egypt as slaves, brought into the wilderness, they're walking around trying to figure out what's going on. And Moses goes, I got to go up to the mountain and talk to God. And he goes up to the mountain. He's away for a little bit. And when he comes down, the first one of the first things they say is, whoa, you're glowing, dude. (laughs) And I don't even know if he noticed it. He was just up there talking with the burning bush. He's got the Ten Commandments and he comes down and they literally say, brother, you're glowing. Something is radiating out of you. And it was the glory of God that he got to see firsthand. But because God is holy, actually Moses didn't see all of who God was. A little bit later when he says, show me your glory, God, he only sees the backside of God. Because God in his holiness, we couldn't take it. We couldn't handle it. He is so holy and we are so sinful that we couldn't stand to be in his presence and survive. So in the Old Testament, there was a place called the temple where representing where God lived. And there was a veil separating the presence of God, the embodiment of God, who he is, his presence from 
from the rest of the people and a veil separated God's people in their sin from God and his perfect holiness and righteousness. So in order to go before him, well, the priest needed to clean himself up and he went through all these different procedures and rituals in order to even go into the veil. And even then he couldn't stay there forever. He had to leave. All that to say, God's the way that we related with God in the old covenant was through a veil. We couldn't approach him with confidence. There had to be a separation because we're so sinful. That's when Jesus enters into the story. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, there's a little side narrative that took place where the veil was actually torn in the temple. The veil separating God from people, from humanity, was torn because Jesus says, you can approach God with confidence now because I'm your righteousness. Yes, you've sinned, but your sin was placed on me. You're forgiven and free through me. You can go to him and he'll welcome you with open arms instead of getting his wrath. So therefore, this passage, thinking about unveiled faces, well, we actually don't have to put a veil on. We don't have to hide anymore, have something separating us from God. We get his face. We get to know him. There's no division or separation anymore. So we, with unveiled face, we get to behold the glory of, of the Lord, which is the person of Jesus, and be transformed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, verse 16 says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil's removed. That's awesome. The veil's removed. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. When you think of the creator of all things, suns, stars, galaxies, and the holiness of this creator, even the concept of being in the presence of God, it just, it's terrifying, frankly. And yet in, in loving kindness and through Christ Jesus, we now have access to see and receive him through his word, through his spirit. You know, in the face of Jesus, Jesus beholds the glory of God. He yeah. is the glory of God. That's why we constantly say, look to Jesus, yeah. look to Jesus. In Jesus, you are taking in the glory of God. And when you're focused on the glory of God, everything else around you mm. pales in comparison. Mm. And that's why, you know, a key uh, component of sanctification is being enamored with yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. Yeah. being enamored with his person, with his work, uh, who he is, what he's done, and enjoying Jesus, trusting and treasuring in the glory of God. Yeah. Mm, so good. Hebrews 1.3, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So uh, upholds the universe with uh, by the word of his power. Why don't we transition to power? How does this sanctification actually happen? Do we do it? Does God do it? Do we do it together? What's going on? <laughs> the power. Kyle, you want to take this one? Because I'm... I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm right now. Yeah, I, I want to hear hear more Jay singing. Um, you know, you know, I thought of Romans one sixteen. That's exactly what I did. Is that what you that, did? Yeah, yeah sure, I yeah. just, you know, you know, Romans one sixteen. You have it there. You yeah. want to read it? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Romans one sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the same power that spoke light out of darkness, I believe 2 Corinthians 4 says, has shown the light of the glory of Christ into our hearts. Power, 
what takes us from being dead in sin to alive in Christ? It's his power. It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And then in the next verse in verse 17, not just for salvation, because that's oftentimes where we think about the power of God getting put on display, but actually in sanctification as well. 17 says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The same power that saves also sustains. That Greek word for power is like dynamite. That's that's the, uh, the, the Greek word. You could translate it as dynamite. The power of God just blows up just your life. It just blows yeah, up yeah, all your areas. And really that is sanctification. You know, it's not this salvation, it's not this one-time act. Yeah, I am, I am justified, made right, set apart, made holy, I'm positionally right. But the gospel being applied to my everyday life. And we talk about this, connecting the gospel of Jesus Christ to my everyday life is really what... Um, blows up you know areas of my life and helps me cling to the finished work of Christ and see his goodness and his grace and his loving kindness for me every moment of every day and that's where I become sanctified you know I'm also thinking of Titus Titus chapter 2 verses 11 uh, down through uh, you go down through 14 it says for the grace of God has appeared Jesus Christ bringing salvation for all people but that same grace it says here in verse 12 trains us it's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly mm. passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ so the gospel right this this grace that has come to us fully and finally in jesus christ it, it doesn't just rescue us set us apart make us positionally holy but it also sanctifies us Amen. it 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 trains us so it blows up areas of our lives and then and then we trust christ in whole new ways and we cling to him in in deeper and more profound ways and we grow in godliness looking more like christ supernatural power if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you hmm. yeah come yeah. on that's that's a good promise come on is right well and i think the beautiful thing of that too is uh we don't wake up always time always feeling this power Every morning I wake up, I don't wake up and go, I got the power, let's go. Like, I'm ready. It, we don't feel that. And actually, that's by design. Paul says, man, I wish that God would take away my thorn. I wish I felt more power. I wish I felt stronger. If God saved me, his power saved me, I wish that I could be free from all the other inconveniences. And Jesus comes to him in that moment in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Mm. So this journey of sanctification actually is becoming familiar with our weakness to know his power, not waking up and saying, I'm so powerful. Yes, let's get it, Jesus. But actually I need you and I'll boast of my weakness so that your power and grace rest on me. That's hard to remember. That's really hard to remember, but really good news. My weakness keeps me close to Christ. Yeah, to know his power. To, which gives me power. Yeah. 
yeah. to live this life and to become what I already am in Christ. For sure. What what was the power to help my marriage in the first few years when we were struggling? Was it Kyle and Emily pulling their bootstraps up and being powerful and strong on our own? No, it was falling apart and experiencing the grace of God in that season, helping us trust him and seeing that, wow, only you, God, could do this. He got the glory for it, not us. Mm. Yeah. So, so I got a question. I got a question, guys. You know, Gospel Life, we're committed to preaching the gospel. And we believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is also what propels us uh, to growth and godliness. So the question is this. Um, so I, think, I think so many of us, we want to just have a map for our sanctification. Like, just Kyle, yeah. just tell me what to for do. Sure. Yeah. Just yeah, tell yeah. me how to grow, Kyle. Yeah. You know, when you preach your sermon, would you just... You know, you keep me, you keep telling me just to look to Jesus, look to Jesus. Why don't you just tell me how to just be a better husband? You know, I, I guess, I guess, you know, that, that can be a temptation. Why, why are we so convinced as a gospel centered church that Jesus is the power? Why, how does that actually functionally work itself out in our sanctification? Like kind of, kind of help me out there. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm somebody who's wondering about that. Yeah. So I think specifically with that example, just tell me what to do. Give me some steps. Well, the tough thing about that is I can give you some steps that might change your circumstance, but only Jesus can change your heart. You have some functional things going on that are a result of what's going on on the inside. And you don't just need behavior modification. I've read a lot of self-help books and they help to some degree, but they don't change what's going on in my soul. So the solution is look to Jesus. Well, what does that even mean? Look to Jesus means have a relationship with him. In your worst moment, you cry out on your knees, I need you, Jesus. Well, guess what? He actually shows up when we cry out for him. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I can't explain that to you super logically. But that's why it's by faith, a relationship with Christ that depends on faith. So looking to Jesus means crying out for him, clinging to him, depending on him. And actually in those moments, you won't know how to do it until you're in it. And then you'll know it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And then you know that that he's more satisfying yeah. than, than even maybe what you're asking yep. for or, or, or a change of circumstance. Yep. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, we are a people who just constantly um, see... Oh, I'm sanctified or I'm growing when everything seems calm or everything's kind of going my <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. And in all reality, we can actually um, experience the most sanctification through trouble, through hardships, and actually our circumstances being horrible, but God using those to show us that He's good and we're satisfied in Him even when the world around us is crumbling. Even, even if everything that we love and hold dear is falling apart or falling away. Yeah, Psalm 73 says, my heart and my flesh may fail me, but you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's a sanctified person. A person that actually legitimately can pray that prayer and say, God, I wish that my circumstances were different. I wish they were different, but you're enough. That is when somebody can, can, can say they're being sanctified. They're growing in godliness. It's a deep faith in the nature and character of God and his promises that this this world won't this won't always be we are look waiting on eternal glory where all the brokenness and all the tears and all the all the 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 the, the stuff that's messed up will be gone forever totally
Speaking of power, it makes me want to, frankly, name the Holy Spirit. In the passage we read in Romans, it is the Spirit who dwells in you. Mm, that's good. I think it's it's not just reading about Jesus or looking to Jesus or asking of Jesus, but Scripture tells us that Jesus has given us something. The this the Holy Spirit of the Trinity has been given to us. Here in, in Romans, it says it dwells in you. In Old Testament, we see the Spirit is with them, but it was different. How is it uh, today for us on this side of the cross? Yeah, I mean, even in the Old Testament, we read in Genesis that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't show up on the scene in the New Testament. And yet, Jesus, in his final words to his disciples, said, I'm leaving. It's better for me to leave because I need to give you my spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming. And he refers to him in a few different words. He calls him the spirit of truth. He calls him the comforter. He calls him the helper. He says, he'll remind you of everything I've said to you. And it's better that I go because he will be with you forever. So I want you to have a relationship with him, to know him and the spirit that gives us power, that spirit empowers gospel mission can actually be known which in a sense is kind of strange because what are we talking about? Spirit here? Is that a ghost? <laughs> is that a life force? What, what are we doing? What's well, the spirit of Christ? It's Christ who is currently seated on his throne in heaven and him alive in us is his spirit, which is a separate person of the Trinity and yet one, which is mystery, obviously, mm -hmm. but it's a person to be known. Will you elaborate more on the, um, the way God was with them in the desert and the way God is with us now. Is there a difference? How would you unpack that? That's a good question. Outside versus inside. So in the desert, spirit of God was with them around them, but not filling them. And in the New Testament, we see the spirit is alive in us because of Jesus alive in us, because we're new creations in him. Same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. That's totally different than how the Old Testament Israelites navigated when the Old Covenant. He's in us. We have a comforter alive in us. We have a truth speaker alive in us. That's God in me. That's crazy. Ezekiel 36, you know, this is a promise of God. You know, we have, you know, the spirit that led God's people through the wilderness and would dwell for moments in time. But it is different because of what Christ has done and the gift of God. Christ giving his spirit, and we become this new creation. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is a promise because this is an Old Testament uh, prophecy. I will sp sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. From all your idols, I will cleanse you. So we see the process of sanctification happening. And how will this happen? Well, verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. <laughs> you see, this is, the, this is the most amazing thing that happens because of the finished work of Jesus. Because we can... Um, by, by God's grace, through faith in the finished work of Jesus, be positionally holy. When we, we talked about the gift that we get, Christ in us, we are made new, but we are also given a, 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 a God's spirit that's alive in us, that's giving us new desires. 
and is giving us the ability and the power to walk according to God's law. This is the thing that will happen for the believer. Now it's one degree at a time and there's a lot of baggage that we bring in that we're, that God is working out through this process of sanctification. But he gives us his spirit and we will have a desire Amen. and an ability to trust and follow Jesus in this new way that we could not do without God's spirit coming in us. And this is a promise that is fulfilled in Christ Jesus for every, every believer. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I think it's worth mentioning that it's not just a belief in some words, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit that brings those things to fruition. There is something that happened when God speaks or God places a new heart in you. There is a power that comes. And so I think sanctification is not only us wanting to do it and reading about how to do it, but seeking and responding to the power that God has given us to do it. Yeah. That you don't have in the natural man. Right. And a lot of times when I think about fighting my sin, I think about using the resource that I naturally have. Well, actually, I need a different power. I need a different resource. Well, Second Peter says, I've been given everything I need for life and godliness through Jesus. So through him alive in me, through his spirit coursing through me, I actually can say no to my sin. But it means crying out to him for help as opposed to trying it on my own. I've spent decades trying to fight my sin on my own. It doesn't work. It never works, but we've been given a different power, a different resource to do it. And we actually have that because of Christ. We go back to who God is and what he's done. And we examine the power, the gospel, once again, to understand more of who we are and what we have in Christ. If we want to experience more of who we actually are in Christ, we've got to go back to be reminded of our justification that we were made right because of the finished work of Jesus, that we have everything we need, we've been gifted, and we've got to be reminded of those things to then work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We started with position, you know, our position before God in uh, thanks to Jesus. And the purpose in love, he has is transforming us, and there is a, a purpose for us as well, and the power by which we do it. And then may we always be um, in praise and thanksgiving, acknowledging our position before God Mm. and the one who has established that. Yeah. Yeah. The position before the Father and the purpose to be more like the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good. For praise. Amen. (laughs) Alliteration. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So, okay. Okay. So how do I know? How do I know if I'm, if I'm, if I'm growing, you think less about yourself and more about God. Mm. You know, Tim Keller wrote this sweet little book. It's called the uh, something. The I think gift it, of self forgetfulness. The gift mm-hmm. of self forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a blessing yeah. to think less about yourself. It's just being enamored mm. with Jesus. That's good. And if I'm yeah. concerned more about God and others, I'm being sanctified. Mm-hmm. Think, uh, thinking about the listener who's trying to fight their sin, who's stuck. Um, and a place that they wish that they would mature out of, who is doing the same thing that maybe they tried to say no to a thousand times and they keep doing it again. Um, this work of sanctification is hard work mm-hmm. uh, and it's not meant to be done on our own. Not only do we have an amazing resource with the Holy Spirit alive in us, but this is meant to be worked out in the one and others of the body of Christ, which is why we fight for community at Gospel Life. You don't get sanctified on your own. This gets worked out as we speak the truth in love to one another, no longer tossed to and fro by the waves, 
no longer immature, but mature. So I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, who's just like, yeah, I get a pastor. I get the theology. This gets worked out in relationships. Be willing to be known and have someone actually help you understand the desires of your heart so that they might be brought to the cross to then bear fruit for the glory of God. So, so you're saying that I probably, I can't be sanctified alone. No, that's not God's design. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so then, so then if, if I were to have one thing that I could do out of this, if I'm stuck in sin, um, um, could it be this? Could, could it be uh, James five sixteen that says, confess your sins to one another? That you may be Which, healed. Yeah. It says, yep. confess your sins to one another and pray for yep. one another yep. that you may be healed. Yep. For it is the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Yep. And so this confession is trusting God by faith in his design. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we, we, we absolutely, our sin, all, all of our sin needs to be confessed to God. And we've talked a lot about that. You know, ultimately all of our sin is against God. But we also are commanded by God to confess our sin to one another. Not mm. that not that me confessing my sin is, is, I mean, if it's against Kyle, absolutely, but me just confessing my sin is trusting God and his design, and I'm going to f- experience healing through my confession, mm-hmm. trusting God to ultimately forgive me through the personal work of Jesus, mm-hmm. but also in his design inside the church. And I'm going to experience healing through my confession. I've seen so many yeah. people inside the church, they are, are just in this, they're just saying, okay, I'm just me and God, just me and God, yeah. me and God. And this is a community. Sanctification yes. is a community project. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would ask, do you love confession? <laughs> do you love it? I, I would hope that all of us would say, absolutely, yes, I do. But it's probably revealing of our pride (laughs) and our sin that would say, no, I'd rather not, when really it is a celebration. What a gift from God. Yeah. You have something in you that's killing you. It's infectious. It's, it's, uh, it is sin. It leads to death. Get it out. I'm here for you. Walk in the light as he is in the light that you may have fellowship and the cleansing of the blood of Christ. Like that cleansing is available to you every moment. So when someone confesses as brothers and sisters, I think we say, throw our hands in the air and say, amen, throw a party. Praise the Lord. You have covering forgiveness right here and now and it is worth celebrating too often i think our guilt comes with it or we look at the person that just confessed we're like oh that's that's nasty man what what do you what'd you do that for it's like well i know it's nasty that's why i'm confessing it may we have an environment and in our own hearts a longing desire and celebration of confession again do we mourn the the wound or do we celebrate the physician that tends to it every moment yeah Yeah, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's the promise there. Yeah. He's faithful. Yeah. He's just, he'll, he'll do it. Yeah. So to that listener, man, if you don't love confession, and I'm preaching the gospel to my own yeah. heart right now, if I don't love confession, it's because I haven't yet truly confessed. And may yeah. we confess give, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Give it unbelief in that lack of Give it a try. Yeah. 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 In community this week, give it a try. Yeah. Give it and see what God does. Yeah. 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 And honest and open, a transparent people, a people that are willing to confess. And those are gospel people. Yep. Those are people who believe in the gospel, that Jesus didn't j- j- just die for my small sins. He died for every single one of them. And here's the reality. I'm not identified by my sin any longer. Amen. I'm identified by the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Therefore, any sin that is I am keeping is is simply a disbelief in the glory and magnitude and grace of God 
to the personal work of Jesus. So confession, and I, when you said that, Jay, I was like, yeah, I don't really like confession. I'm like, I'm reminding myself, man, I yeah, should love I it. Yeah. It's remembering, it's beginning again so I can progress yeah. in the Christian life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. For those that are listening today that are struggling in their sanctification, that are discouraged, that are in the midst of fighting their sin, are tempted to give up, God is working. Um, You are positionally righteous by faith in Jesus. And this progressive work of becoming like Jesus isn't anything you do on your own. He's actually empowering it through his spirit. And he is able to and willing and loves helping us in the midst of weakness so that we might know his grace and sufficiency and his power in whole new ways. We thank you, Jesus, that you have died for sin, past, present, and future. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving in amongst your people. Would you give us a desire to look more like Jesus, to grow in godliness? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Gospel Life. If you have any questions about this podcast, or if you'd like to send in your audio questions for the pastors, email podcast at glpuallop.com. Now, Here's Thomas Wagner and Catherine Burke singing All the Poor and Powerless, a song by All Sons and Daughters. All the poor and powerless And all the lost and lonely All the thieves will come and know that you are holy Know that you are holy And all will sing out
God. 